you're listening to Season 2 of the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider. Oaks Day, is there anything that's striking uh, your Florida fancy? What if I told you I haven't looked at the card? Brandon Jaggers. Well, there's no pressure. Ask the Champagne and Crazy Beautiful. Those are the two that I was looking at. So where do you put, Ralph, who are you picking for the Oaks? And me, CC Broadus. <laughs> All right, so listen. Brandon, um, I would <laughs> like to welcome you back to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, y'all were like... Welcome to episode number 56 of the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. I'm CC Broadus, joined by the Studley Alan Schneider. Studley? You mean Dudley? Or... <laughs> Thanks, I guess. I mean, you know, this is audio. Nobody knows that you're telling the truth or not until they see me in public, so uh, we'll go with that. Well, they'll certainly be surprised, that's for sure. <laughs> Well, Alan, we had to change some plans tonight, but uh, nonetheless, we've got a, a massive 11 race card at Churchill Downs to, to to go over. And before we do that, let's talk a little bit about last weekend's card. It was uh, a, a good, a fun night of maskless horse racing at Churchill Dawn at the, excuse me, uh, Downs After Dark. And it was highlighted by the Kirtana, which featured... Temple City Terror earning her first stakes victory by running down the enterprising race ride by Miguel Mena on Delica. Yeah, it was a uh, it was one of the more interesting races. Uh, I tell you, I will tell you this: uh, Downs After Dark, you know, you, it's a fantastic, fantastic thing. Churchill does a great job with it, and the crowd was fantastic. Everybody was enthused. But and I know a lot of people listening will probably completely agree with me on this. When you when you have a lot of newbies at the racetrack and they have uh, the long turf races, uh, you you will hear a good what 15 to 20 percent CC of the cr- fans cheering the first time they come around the stretch that people think the race is over after the first flight around the t- not realizing they go two turns around. And you heard a lot. Of, and when Delic was up, I, I don't know 15, 18 lengths, you heard a lot of people screaming like they uh, they, they won. And in the the realization sets in that they've got another lap to go. And unfortunately for Delica, it was just a little bit too far, but I thought she ran amazing. I don't blame Miguel Mayer's ride whatsoever. I mean, I'm happy Temple City Terror won from a personal standpoint. That said, I mean, I thought Miguel Mayer gave the horse a great ride, and it's just very unfortunate to get nipped by a pretty good horse uh, late in the race. But it was fun to watch. Uh, I'd, I'd say a lot of people that are new to horse racing kind of got a, a bit of a treat seeing a horse scoot off by 15, 16, 18 lengths. Uh, it was it was funny watching Maine to look at the board on the turn for home to see how far he was up, and then it was just a matter of holding on. But Temple City Terrors just had a brilliantly timed ride by Adam Bichitza, so it was a fun race to watch. Yeah, I don't fault uh, Mena at all. I mean, he didn't he didn't do anything to, to rouse the filly at all, and then just uh, just set chili on her the whole way. The, the filly did all that on her own, and it yeah. almost worked. So let her uh, run. And I should add too that, uh, that folks, CC crushed that race. CC did extremely well on that race. So yeah, I, got, uh, I had a good night actually. I, yeah, I made some money that night. So yeah, it was a fun uh, night. One more horse I want to talk about for sure is uh, Aloha West. 
oh, yeah. who won a, a other than allowance very, very impressively. I don't think he beat a whole lot, but the way he did it was good. I think uh, we might see him in stakes competition next. Yeah, he, I'm not going to lie. He beat nothing in that spot. And then the one competitor that theoretically could have beat him did not fire. It's a horse that's, uh, that just just has not developed for Steve Asmus, which a lot of horses, Steve Asmus and horses, are not doing that well this meet. It's a bit of a side note. But it's the way Aloha West won that race. It's It was a uh, trail, let the horse go up, and it was, just, it was a push button, one of those push button confident moves where the horse could go by any number of lengths that he asked. So when they do that, you know, you got a good one. And we've all known Aloha West is a good one for a while. So we're, we're going to see him down the road beating uh, some really nice horses. So that, that was a great effort. And one more point we want to make is the uh, the winning color stakes was won by Sconson, who I didn't know, I didn't think she would uh, be as effective going six furlongs on the turn back from seven, but she did. She ran down uh, your top pick, Rising Seas, mm-hmm. and Frank Rockette at this point in third. Yeah. Hey, Sconson, it's just a matter of when you've got that turn of foot, it's just a matter of, can you get the, can, number one, can you get the pace in a trip, but can the jockey time the move right? And the race set up perfectly with Rising Seas being the being the uh, the bug in uh, Frank Swarquette's uh, ointment, I suppose you say. So set up perfectly. The move was timed perfectly. So Sconson has proven that he can do more than just that seven furlong, one sustained move. Kind of Russell Sconson, big win for uh, the Foley's. And that, that barn has been red hot, it seems. Yes. Every every runner they send out, even if they don't win, they, they seem to run well. So. Yes, and I appreciate it. <laughs> I personally appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to Saturday, May 29th. It's a big day of stakes racing at Churchill. Seven stakes races, all in the 110 to $150,000 range. I would assume, I would say highlighted probably by the Matt Wynn stakes and That's the Aristides. Two, two really good races. Uh, the Matt Wynn is grade three, but the, there's a lot going on. The Regret is grade three. So, yeah, it's a, it's a excellent day of racing. Uh, we're going to try to go over all 11. Let's see if we can do this within an hour. Oof. Yeah, I know. Well, we're going to lead off. We won't talk too much about this first race. It's a maiden special weight, five and a half furlongs for the two-year-old maidens. And the heavy favorite is number one, Vodka and Water, a son of Fed Biz, an inexpensive son of Fed Biz. $3,500 is what he cost at the uh, uh, Keeneland September auction. He's now stakes place for Steve Aspies. Looks like this was a private purchase from the uh, Robert McCutcheon barn. And he finished second behind Averly Jane. I think that's a Wesley Ward runner. That was uh, during Oaks, Oaks Week mm-hmm. on a slot track. Bach and Waters, four to five. Can we beat this horse? I have an opinion here. I, I do, too. I, well, I, I don't want to play the, whole, the race hard. Ordinarily, but I, when I first glance, it's like I'm passing this race, but eh, I'm going to try to beat Vodka and Water. I don't think the horse is deserving of four to five. People are going to look at that second in the stakes company, but as I recall, it was pretty evenly matched behind the top. The, the winner, it was a, it was a bit of a, a jumbled mess for second, third, fourth yada 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 so i mean you know the horse is going to get pounded at the windows plus he draws the uh, plus he draws the rail it's, it's worth taking a shot against it one to two i would consider 
glacial for Norm Cassie by Frosted. Uh, the, the damn Country Cafe uh, has thrown a couple decent runners. And I like the work tab. There's a couple of really fast four furlong works. Once he got the 247s out of the way, it looked like they went back to slowing him down. They got they got what they wanted from out of the gate, gave him a little foundation. So at eight to one, I will try to upset the favorites. Uh, the favorites he has with the number four, number three glacial. How about you? Yeah, you stole my thunder because that's the one I was interested in the most. Oh. I will say, I will say that it seems like the Norm Cassie runners kind of indicate how they're going to run by the by the tote board. Yeah, so I, I don't, agree. I don't want this horse at twenty to one, believe it or not. I, I agree. Want this horse at a, at a lower price, three to one or four to one. Luckily, if you're playing a pick five, this is the first race of the sequence, so you're, you're going to know where you're at with this horse early on. So I want to see some money on this horse early. Uh, you know, and then of course there's two others in here. Uh, 90s Country, uh, a, a favorite of yours, I'm sure. Oh yeah, I love '90s country. Absolutely yeah. love it. <laughs> For Brad Cox, this is a son of Connect. Connect is a freshman sire, had a relatively inexpensive stud fee, fifteen thousand dollars. He sold for ninety, which is six times the stud fee. That's usually a good sign. So the horse is probably a, a decent looking sort. So you want to consider that one. And then on the outside, number seven, twenty-four Mamba for Mark Cassie, a son of Classic Empire. Now he was. They, they paid $55,000 for this horse as a weanling, but he, he does have one start under his belt. So I think uh, uh, I think there's a chance here to be vodka and water and maybe kick off the, uh, the early pick five with a price. Yeah, I, uh, I, 90s country, uh, Brackhawks, I, I have faith he'll do well. Oh, boy. I put that out there the other day. I had to use it again. I, I need him. I, I, I shortchanged you last week with the puns, right? Yeah, Didn't I? Yeah, you, you <laughs> promised less than you delivered. Yeah, so I got to make up for it. I got 11 races, pal. So for my <laughs> sake, for my sake, it was okay. <laughs> Race two is an allowance, A other than, for the Phillies and Mares on the turf, one mile. The favorite is number four, Nope, for Brendan Walsh, ridden by Julian Leperu, adds blinkers this time. This Philly, I had her in my stable mail. She had a terrible trip going down the stretch the first time in her last start at Churchill. That was on Derby Week. She was in pretty good position early and then had to check out of there really, really hard. She lost all of her position. And instead of being fifth, fourth, fifth, sixth, somewhere in, in there and going in the first turn, she was dead last. And then had to check again before entering the first turn. She made a decent rally to get into contention around the far turn and, and looked like she you know, might have a shot to win the race, but she flattened out late. Uh, I was hoping uh, maybe we'd get more than five to two, but it looks like everybody saw the same thing I did. And uh, I'll, I'll toss it to you. Who do you like here? I will. I was actually going to defer to you as much as I love turf racing, and I hate this race. I have zero opinion. I see a bunch of one-pace runners. Um, I, I, see, I don't see anybody that really has a lot of will to win, a lot of desire to win. So, again, I don't have an opinion here. Uh, the fact that you explained it to me about Nope gives me a little bit of hope. But uh, uh, that said, it's 5 to 2 in the morning line. So I'm going to I'm gonna pass and defer to you, honestly. Yeah, well, I mean, I, if I had to pick one, it would be Nope. But I don't like the price. I, another one I would look at is uh, number eight, Sunset Kiss from the Roger Atfield barn, who kind of, 
is known to bring him along slowly. Unless he's not having a good year, and, and Rogers up there in age now, and, uh, but he still still maintains a, a large stable of horses. Uh, but this is a filly. He's got a nice pedigree. The daughter of Kingman, who was a nice Judmont runner back in the day, and she makes her third start of the year. Uh, it's interesting that she still hasn't run on Lasix yet. But uh, I thought that last race was a decent effort behind Take Charge Row and Emily's Oasis, who tried to go wire to wire. I thought thought maybe uh, the switch to Giroux was a good thing. Maybe you can get her in a, in a good spot, maybe stalk in the early speed. So for me, it would be number four, the favorite, Nope, and number eight, Sunset Kiss. And I will just add one thing. I forgot. I love the name of the seven horse, Ooh Barracuda, after the heart song, Barracuda. So I'm just going to throw that out there. And give the people that name the horse their just due. I love the name. Outside of that, I'm defaulting to uh, your selection, sir. Philly Broker Maiden at Fairgrounds over the winter. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah, they left her uh, alone on the lead, I see. Yeah. There was another pun you just missed. Okay, go on. Moving on. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I didn't catch that at all. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Moving on. Race three. Main special weight. For three years old and up, six furlongs. It's going to be a heavy favorite in here, I do believe. Number three, Casual Fair, is a son of Intimischief out of Champion Ashado. This horse nearly broke his maiden in first asking, which is something that Walsh rarely does. Uh, was, was beaten by Sibelius last time at Keeneland in his, in his debut, ridden by John Velasquez that day. Now gets Tyler Gaffleyon. I think this horse is probably going to be less than nine to five, probably going to be around four to five, even money. Would you not say? Yes. I have a hard time getting past this horse. Uh, I, I will say I was going back and looking over the shadows, uh, progeny and as, as, as wonderful a mare as she was, uh, she hasn't thrown a lot of great runners. She's not a lot of winners, not a great runners. This one may change that dynamic because I do believe this horse is special. Um, I'm a little concerned that the fact they brought her back at just six furlongs, I would maybe like to see a little more ground, but I'm not going to question Brendan Walsh. That race at Keeneland, there was a very live uh, Louis Saez-ridden uh, horse shipping in from the Mid-Atlantic who looked uh, – I can't remember who, who trained the horse. But the horse went wire to wire, and the Brendan Walsh horse looked live that day and just kept coming, kept coming, made one hell of a race of it. It was a pretty solid field. And I really – I made a mental note to watch Casual Affair down the road. So I expect Casual Affair to give a really good account of himself here. I'm not going to go against the horse. I do find, even though he's been in a bit of a slump, I do find the Steve Asmussen first in here. Very, very interesting. The Liam's Matt baby, uh, Bo Liam, the 10 horse for stone street. These are the kind of works that uh, this Asmussen runner would tell you that he's live, not to mention it's from stone street. That's, that's not a shock at eight to one. If he were in that eight to one range, I would definitely give it a look. But uh, I also think that the Amos horse wild for wide cliff and, and the Bill Mott, Judd Mont, Egyptian Springs on the outside of the Pioneer of the Nile, the uh, Spitestown mare are, are a couple to consider. But again, it, to me, it's uh, I would consider taking a casual affair on top, maybe even in the two spot in case he doesn't get there in time, as there could be some live firsters. But I don't think you have to use that many in here because I think there's some tosses. But number three, casual affair for me. Yeah, a couple of pedigree notes. First on your one you talked about, uh, Bo Liam. That is a son of Liam's map out of Bell of Parentown. Bell of Parentown was a nice sprinter back in the day for Eddie Keneally. 
Yes. Uh, that's maybe one of the first stage horses he had, possibly around here in these parts back in the day. But and then the other one we'll talk about is number four, American Smooth. This is a two hundred ninety-five thousand dollar son of Malibu Moon. They paid for this one as a weanling, but the the dam is R Christie. R Christie, I believe, was the stakes winner. But the the the, the relation to me, R R Christie is a daughter of the Hess Express. I had a friend who bought the Hess Express for like $3,000 as a broodmare. And little did he know at the time, that horse had a, a runner named Bulls Bay on the, uh, that was in training at the time. And Bulls Bay, I think went on, would, would win the Woodward Stakes at Saratoga. Yeah. He finished second or third behind Rachel Alexandra in the, uh, in the uh, Whitney I think I've got those reversed. I think he, I think he won the Whitney and, and finished second or third in the, in the Woodward behind Rachel. But uh, he gave $3,000 for this mare. I think he went up breeding her to lawyer Ron, got a foal out of her, and then bred her back to hard spun. So this $3,000 mare, he sold at auction for $500,000. And the, the weanling foal, the weanling brought another three or 400000 I think he had partners in, in, involved there too, but that's Jack one Fox. of those Cinderella stories. I, I remember seeing her on the farm. I was like, man, you got to wrap her in bubble wrap every morning. That's got to be scary when you when you got a, million, or a half million dollar mare on the farm and you wake up every morning hoping she's still alive. Amen. You know, Amen. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, that's American Smooth. That's a granddaughter of the Hess Express, or excuse me, a grandson by Malibu Moon. He might need a race. But worth watching, I think. So let's move on on to race four. This is another A other than for just straight three year olds going a flat mile. The heavy favorite here is going to be number eight, Cool House, who comes off of, of a victory over uh, the Tom Drury trained extreme. Is that I believe that's right? Yes, you're correct. And and Alejandro, uh, that was on Derby Day. Cool House won that day at you know, nine to two. Extreme Alejandro came back to run on Sunday in a wide trip. He finished second. I think that horse is, is, is due to win here soon. Cool House is going to be a heavy favorite, but uh, I like another horse in here. Let's see who you like first, Alan. I do like Cool House, uh, but I, there's a couple in here. I do give the horse a run for his money. Um, number one being Why Akin for Mike Maker and James Grand. This is a race for uh, one other than horses, uh, horses which have never won a race of the maiden claiming a starter, or horses never won two lifetime. Well, you know, uh, why it can because he went in the starter allowance company last time. Uh, not only won, but won at the one mile distance rather easily. So, horse fits the condition properly. It's the right spot for him. I don't know if he can beat Cool House, but uh, I think my bets will center around Cool House, number eight, Cool House, number six, why it can. And for a bomb on the outside, this number 10 horse tycoon for Norm McKnight. Norm McKnight has not had a very good year. That said, this horse's debut for Maiden 30 was incredible. Coming from 21 lengths back to win going away. Uh, has had problems at the gate, dwelling, hesitating. If he breaks sharper, maybe uh, the horse gets into the gets into your exotics at 20 to 1. But uh, I do think it, Cool House and Wyakin are the two obvious ones, and they're the two obvious ones for me. Yeah, again... You must have uh, looked at my notes. Oh, darn it. Yeah, I know. I'm on Wayakin, too. Uh, 
I've got a fresh new set of Theragraph sheets here that uh, just looking at them here, going back to his first start of the year, January 30th, that was the first time he got Lasix. And he earned a, a much better figure than he's ever run before. And then the two subsequent, excuse me, subsequent, the two next starts. There you go. The two next starts, he's improved his figure. So this is now a what I would consider a healthy, improving horse. And he's on the improve. So uh, this is how I arrived to a long shot last Saturday, whose name is escaping me, from the Eric Reed barn. Yes, I can't remember the horse uh, name. Yeah. Price. But I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I like Wayakin on the improve. And I think there's a shot that the the other horse, the other Brad Cox horse that we talked about, what's his name? That would be Cool House, number eight. Cool, cool House. House. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's those two. I, I think there's a shot that Cool House bounces. Uh, Possibly. So maybe we go. It was a big effort last time to win what, that on Derby yeah. Day. One note, uh, we're off, uh, Ricardo Santana rode Wayakin last time. Loses, uh, Mike Maker loses, uh, gets James Graham to replace him. But, again, it makes you wonder, but Santana's going to ride for Steve Asmussen. So, uh, on the rail, uh, Santana's riding for, for Steve A. So, I think that's, that's all I would make of that. I don't think uh, Steve Asmussen would, would appreciate it if he declined the mount. So, I'm not going to make too much of that losing Ricardo Santana there. Right. Yeah, Asmussen is – on top of pecking order in the Santana. Exactly, as he should be. Yeah, so, so yeah, uh, I'm taking Wayakin on top, as are you. Yes. As is you. As is as, you. Yes. As is uh, fair enough. All right, so from here on out, it's nothing but stakes races. Number five on the card is the Audubon Stakes, $150,000 purse for three-year-olds, mile and eighth on the turf. The morning line choice is number eight, Royal Prince, three to one for Brad Cox and Florent Giroux. But let's be honest, this this, this race is uh, it's fairly wide open between maybe four or five of them. Agreed, agreed. And uh, I'm going to give a, a tentative nod again, not not a not a diehard opinion in this race, but I'm going to give a bit of a, a nod to like the King Wesley Ward, backing out of the Kentucky Derby where he. Did not run that badly. It's like getting trashed a lot. Somehow only went off 49 to 1 in that race. But that's the way the Derby is. This horse price of an 80 to 1. But I think this is a pure mile on a horse. I've always felt that way. This is a nice nine furlong horse. I think Landeros fits the horse well. We'll see how he the, – the one race on the turf he's already excelled at, but that was a Belterra. The horse should, should win every time at Belterra. Uh, so we'll see what he does here. But I like him in this spot. If he, if he come out of the Derby okay, which is always a question mark, how do horses exit the Kentucky Derby, I'm going to give him a slight nod. I do find Cellist interesting with the, the move he made last time where he went from eighth to first. Going a mile and eighth to just get nipped in the wire uh, at Keeneland. Eight to one, I don't know if you'll get eight to one. I find Cellist intriguing. I'm going to side with number two like the king. I'm with you on Cellist. I think that horse has a – has a forward move in him. I, he was narrowly beaten by Floriform. I think he's got a bright future for Belmont. That horse has uh, uh, served me well mm-hmm. this year. But uh, my top pick is going to be number four, Hidden Enemy. And I like that one a lot, too. I agree, yes. Yeah, it, and he had to break from the 11 hole last time. That was on Derby Day where he finished fourth in the American turf. He had a wide trip throughout, and he kept coming late, and, you know, he – he looks like a horse that's on the improve. 
his his pedigree is impeccable. Oh it's yeah. It's interesting they only gave one hundred fifty thousand for him at auction though. It's the son of Galileo out of Acoma, and I think Acoma won the Spencer Stakes yeah. maybe via DQ back in the day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know if Acoma's produced a whole lot. But uh, this horse looks like he might have a little talent. He, and like I said, he's on the improve. So I, I like him here. And I like Cellist. And, you know, I mean, the, the others are obvious, too. Palazzi and Like the King and, and Royal Prince. But, uh, you know, on top, I like Hidden Enemy. Race six is the Blame Stakes, $150,000, nine furlongs on the dirt. And the favorite is number three, Night Ops for Brad Cox. Horse has never been out of the Exacta, but once. Four out of five in the Exacta at Churchill. Uh, last time seen, he nearly lost the Ben Ally Stakes to Silver Dust, who's also in the field. Alan, this one's uh, this this could be an exciting race. Yeah, I'll ask you if if you know. Um you know, one of the things that handicapping is and playing the horses is predicting how the public is going to react to the field and how they're going to wager. And my fear here is that there's a lot of hard knockers in here, but a horse I know that we both are high on sprawl may take too much money as the fact people saw the last race and they've been waiting for the horse to run back. What do you believe Tom Jury's sprawl will go off in this race versus the silver dusts and uh, night ops of the world? What do you see him going off at? Uh, I think they got it right, five to two, three to one. My yeah, is, is that an underlay, is that, or is that right? Well, he's he's going to have to show a different dimension, I think, to win this because there's a lot of speed in here. So, you know, I don't know if I want him coming from off the pace at, at five to two. Agreed. He's, he's been re- very, very good in his last two starts. We, we talked with Mr. Jury a couple of weeks ago. He's hounding the horse. We were hounding the horse. But I look at the spot. And I, and I ask myself, and of course, we're two days out when we're talking about these races, what price is acceptable for Sprawl against these? I would say four to one. So I don't think you're going to get four to one because I think a lot of people are going to hammer this horse. Not hammer, and the horse isn't going to be six to five or anything like that. But in relation to the field he's running against, again, we got some tough knocking stakes horses here. Do you want to take five to two? So I guess what I'm saying is my the jury is out for me. I'd have to see how the race is being bet. Uh, I do think South Bend will get forgotten about, and that might be the overlay in the race. Do, am I saying South Bend's going to win? No, but I think that's the one that's going to get overlooked. And then in that, in that more playable 7 to 8 to 1 range, uh, I don't know. I, I got I want to bet Sprawl. I like Tom Drury. I love the effort last time, but he's going to get some hard knockers. So, you know, you tell me, pal. Well, there's some early pace in here. I think Mighty Hart's going to send from the rail. Uh, he's. He, he doesn't necessarily have to have the lead. Um, he won the Prince of Wales stakes coming from off the pace. But, uh, you know, uh, from the rail, I think they might try to be forwardly placed. The other horse that's probably going to be on the lead is American Dubai, who we need to uh, discuss. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Uh, American Dubai ran uh, up the track on February 27th. Uh, he was claimed by Deodoro. That day comes back in the optional claimer on April 24th, and he absolutely ding donged on the lead with another horse going 46 and 2, 111. They were really rolling. This is an eight-year-old horse, and this horse just uh, put the put the other speed horse away and extended the lead. 
and he was gone, and he beat a nice stakes horse named Bankett that day. Uh, let's uh, rewind the clock a little bit. Let's go back to last year. Arkansas Derby Day was on the uh, the real mm-hmm. Derby Day last year. He had a horse named Deodoro had a horse named Dunf that I think he claimed for thirty thousand as a horse that uh, David Vant no uh, Mike Maker had uh, that purchased privately and and they had high hopes for him. I think he may have won a stakes race as a two year old, and but he never did improve. Then I think he switched barns to Vant David Vance, and then he wound up in. Uh, Joe Sharp's barn, and then uh, Theodoro claimed him from Sharp off of a victory at 30000 And he, he moved him up into an allowance race, and he ran a, a figure that day that could have won the probably the most Breeders' Cup dirt miles. And he beat a horse named Fearless from Todd Fletcher. Fearless is a, is a stakes winner now. Uh, so Theodoro brought this horse back in the Cornhusker handicap in early, late June, early July, horse ran third or fourth, a non-threatening third or fourth. And then the horse ran for a $50,000 claiming tag at Saratoga. And I think he, he was eased. So this is a similar situation. The horse in American Dubai is eight years old. Eight year old horses really can't keep running those gigantic figures without some type of uh, bounce or, or regression. So, I, I can see American Dubai vying for the early lead, but I, he, he, he won't be on my tickets at all. But uh, the, the, this is two years in a row that Theodoro has claimed a, uh, a horse that's, uh, you know, just just an average horse and, and turned him into a superstar overnight for just one race. Yeah. What, what CeCe's dancing around is, folks, is this move, this race this horse ran last time, is uh, this is what I'm looking for. Shifty AF. I mean, uh, let, let's just call it what it is. I mean, this horse was running it uh, in New Mexico uh, last year, and it has, has padded a nice bankroll in his career, 600000 actually ran a 115 Brisnet at some point in his career, which is incredibly fast. But of late, the horse had not shown what he put forth last time. And to do it at the age of eight years old, to draw off with those kind of fractions against a nice field, raises the eyebrows. Uh, let's put it that way. We'll just and it's a bounce in his future, likely. I'm with him. I'm not going to use it. It would have the horse had to replicate that effort at eight years old. It seems like it's up against it in this spot, but you never know in this day and age of racing. So um, his prior form look does not look like he could put forth that last effort. But sometimes trainer switches can lead you to have those things. We'll, just, and we'll leave it at that and move on. I like number six, South Bend, off of that last uh, win at Keeneland. The horse was, uh, he was last early and made a really wide move. Rosario put him put him in the three or four path, and then he got bumped out into the six path. And, I mean, he was really wide coming off the turn into the stretch and, and, and showed some gameness to run down. I agree. Empty Tomb that day. Empty Tomb came back to win last last Saturday for, for Maker winning an allowance race. So I'm hoping for a speed duel early, and I'll take South Bend to pick up the pieces late. I agree. I like that play because I do think, again, as I mentioned, I think South Bend may be the one who gets forgotten about on the tote board a little bit. All right. Race seven is the Shawnee, $150,000, mile and 16. This is for Phillies and Marys. Going to have a heavy, prohibitive favorite, number seven, Envoutant, Four to five on the morning line for Kim McPeak. Uh, 
and Brian Hernandez Jr. Last seen running second in the La Troyenne behind She Dares the Devil, last year's Kentucky Oaks winner. I have an upset here. Oh. But I'll turn the, I'll turn the stage over to you. Well, you know, I was going to uh, digress as I usually do. Use this race as, uh, to, to digress a bit, little bit. Um, uh, one of my bugaboos when handicappers, public handicappers, will give out selections, and they'll they'll try to beat the favorite, saying that this horse offers greater value. They'll they'll go against a horse that's even money, and then they'll pick some horse who's three to one as better value, which is honestly bullshit half the time because uh yeah it, it drives me nuts because if you're really looking for value you go for higher than three to one or secondly the real value in the race maybe that your three to one horse is underlaid uh and that the value in the race of taking that that favorite kicking up the, the second choice out the third choice out and playing the overlaid horses who are in the 10 12 to 1 raid and playing them in an exact or the trifecta or whatever. I see that in this race is why I'm bringing it up. I, I, I wish I could go on and on about public handicappers going for value so they automatically go to the second choice because they don't like the favorites. Like, well, you know what? The second choice may be garbage too. So, um, it's, it's again, it's one of the pet peeves that I have. I see it in this race in that uh, Paris Lights is going to take a lot of money. Probably deservedly so because I don't think the field's that tough. But I'm not a fan of Paris Lights. And uh, the horse might win the race. I'm not going to say that he's not, but I do believe the horse is going to take a lot of money. And you're going to hear a lot of public handicappers pick him as the um, alternative, the better price alternative when actually he's going to be underlaid as well, too. Hey, so, uh, let me interrupt you here. Tell me your real feelings on last year's Coaching Club of America. This is where we're getting to, right? I mean, you, you know where I'm going with this. Uh, it goes back to a rant I had a couple of weeks ago. But yeah, I think you you understand what I'm saying. It's like they're automatically going to. Well, I don't like. I'm going to try to beat uh, Ambaton here with the better price. Well, Paris Lights can be three to one too. I mean, do you, so just because you're just because you're not the favorite does not mean you're not an underlay. Um, with that said, I I will play this race. I will play one straight exacta because I don't like the race that much. I do believe Ambaton's the one to beat, and I think he he'd probably be in the even money range, four to five in the morning line. And I'm going to play a cold exact with high regard because I don't like the second choices. So I'm going to use high regard, maybe in the third spot as well. High regard loves the racetrack. Uh, her form is kind of clouded in, um, for Vicki Oliver, Raphael Bejarano. Her form is clouded by a lot of the races that are not at Churchill. But if you go back and look at the Churchill races, they're pretty good. Are they good enough to beat Ambaton, who I think is a really nice racehorse? Probably not. So I will just take a cold exact with those two horses, Ambaton over high regard. Maybe I try a little super effect action with him in third, but that is my spiel for this race. <laughs> All right. Well, this is going to be a stretch, but uh, just bear with me. We'll talk about number two, La Renalita. Oh, this is a stretch. Renaletta. Renaletta. Uh, it's a daughter of Treasure Beach. Uh, going way back, go back to February 8, 2020. She made her U.S. debut. Prior to that, she was undefeated in Argentina, won, won a grade one down there, in fact, fairly handily. Uh, the money followed her that day. She went off six to five, and she absolutely wiped the floor with uh, with her competition that day. In fact, that figure that she earned on Thoroughgraph 
would win this race. Now, she, something happened. She got hurt. She comes back nearly 14 months later. Again, the bunny follows her. She goes off three to five, and she shows absolutely nothing. So, you know, she probably needed to wipe off some of the rust, but uh, I think it's a, a good sign that they go in this spot as opposed to maybe searching for an allowance race. I don't know that I don't know that a uh, a grade one winner could find an allowance race this time of year anywhere, but they didn't decide to ship around or anything. They're going right here and they're going to try to, uh, and she's based at Churchill. So she's with, with, with Aspuson's first string. So they must think a little bit of her and she gets the inside post or not the inside, but the two hole and Andre Tant gets the seven hole. Paris lights gets the eight hole. So, She's going to save some ground, I would think, early on. She's got a little gate speed. You know, at a price, I would take uh, I would take a shot at La Renalita. And, you know, nothing wrong with Ambutant. She's, you know, grade one place now. And she was beaten by a really good filly. But, you know, maybe box those two in an exacta or, or, or something like that. And, and I'm with you. Paris Lights is, she's okay. She's a nice She's filly. okay. She's fine. But she comes into this a little bit slower than the others, and she's probably going to get a wide trip. So. And she's going to be overbet, right? Because. Yeah. And then people are going to automatically go to her as the alternative. But just because a horse is a second choice to the favorite does not mean that they're a better priced alternative. It, I go back to last year when Monomoy Girl returned, and everybody's trying to beat Monomoy Girl because she was three to five. The horse won, I don't know, ten grade ones in a row. So they were trying to beat Monomoy Girl with Lady Kate. And uh, who is the other horse, the Preset horse? Uh, View, Tale of View, uh, the View. Uh, you know what I'm talking Dreaming of View. Who am I thinking about? Uh, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. Talk Voov to me? Talk Voov to me. And I, I use it, it, it just because one of these horses when it was in this race. They went on and on about how Monomoy Girl, you should bet Monomoy Girl at 3 to 5, but you should bet Lady Kate and Dreaming of View at 3 to 1 at 7 and 2 is a second choice. Like, that's insanity. That was absolute insanity. People are going on about that. And I was like, neither of those horses won a stakes. I think Todd viewed me and won the Indiana Derby. Monomoy Girl won the Breeders' Cup distaff in the Kentucky Oaks. It's like, no, the bet in the race is taking Monomoy Girl and then throwing those horses out of the exact or the trifecta and then putting the other horse. And one of those horses in this race, Miss Bigley, uh, as actually ran second to Monomoy Girl that day. So that's my, my, my whole spiel about that. This, this whole notion that you just have to beat the favorite. Now, maybe you, the money comes from beating the second and third choices lots of times. Not saying it's going to happen here. I just this, this race makes me think of that. That's why I'm going on and on about it. So you last can... thing before we turn the page, number three, yeah. Istan Council has been burning up the track in the morning. Look at those workouts: 59 and two, 59, 59 and three, minute and three. Uh, Larry Jones is really tightening the screws on her. Now she's yeah. never been, she's never really been a top class filly. Now she's a mare, but uh, you know maybe. Maybe he's trying to get this one. So, you know, maybe yeah. it's one to throw underneath. You know, it's a consistent horse, and I, and I like Joe Rockwell. Joe Rockwell, for some reason, had a tough year so far. He's only won four races. But uh, I agree. I do believe this is a horse that you really want to look at. Uh, if not to win the race underneath, I, I agree with you. I think we need, yeah, we, well, the ultimate thing we want to agree on, we want to get Paris Lights out of the, at least the exact, and maybe even the trifecta. And she might win by five lengths, but if she does, she does. I mean, if the, this game's about taking stands, 
And yeah, I think you maybe get her. You get her idea in the two three spot. You might make a little money here. Yep. All right. Late pick four time. It's race eight. The regret stakes grade three hundred fifty thousand dollars. Mile and eighth on the turf for three year old fillies. The favorite, who I believe is vulnerable, number four Spanish love affair for Mark Cassie. Last seen finishing dead last in the Appalachian Stakes. Prior to that, she was a stakes winner in the Here Comes the Bride Stakes at Gulfstream, but she was DQ'd, placed fourth off of a, uh, it was a questionable call. But uh, she she's 5-2 favorite here, but this race is wide open to me. Who do you like? Yeah, actually, I think this is a pretty weak rendition of the regret. I don't know if you agree with that or not. Uh, I like I always like this race. It's usually very competitive. You get some prices. It's a mile and eight for three for three old Phillies. It, you know, it's it's a fun race, but I do think this is a weak version of it. And I do see we have earlier we had '90s country in race one. We have line dancing here. If if that's a, anybody wants to make a parlay there, I think that's somebody's George Strait or somebody is, is trying to get you to bet that. I'm not saying I'm going to pick line dancing, but it, it's worth noting. Um, I'm with you in Spanish Love Affair. When I first looked at this race, I thought Spanish Love Affair might be able to rebound and run big. And then I saw the morning line of five to two. I'm like, no, that's not for me. It, 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 the interest level of Spanish Love Affair goes up about maybe the five to one range. Five to two, I understand why they would make the horse a favorite. I'm not feeling it at that price. Um I've never been a big fan of this horse, but by default, I'm going to pick Flown uh, for Brendan Walsh because I, I think this horse can do a mile and eight. I think this horse comes. Uh, it, it's not it doesn't have an explosive kick, but just keeps coming, keeps coming. Ran out of racetrack last time against one of the horses in this race, Scam's Mission. Um, you know, and again, we we need to mention something we haven't mentioned yet. These are stakes races. Horses will not be competing in Lasix, so it's not a bad idea. To go back, if, if you're going to make bets in these races, it, it's a little reassuring to know that the horses that you select may be able to have proven they can run without Lasix. Flown has done that in the past. She did have Lasix in her last start, but she has competed well without Lasix. Something to keep in mind. I'm going to default to Flown because I think she's going to like the trip. But, uh, again, not a strong opinion here, but give me number eight, Flown. Yeah, I'm going deep in the race, but I, I like a filly that's coming out of the same race that you're filly comes out of that's gam's mission number seven uh I, this is just a pure pedigree play for me I, I i mean i think all of these are evenly matched but the uh the grand dam of this filly is auntie Maine, who raced for the lazy f ranch several years ago i think she won the the flower bowl but she raced for angel penna who was a, a great trainer back in the day but uh so yeah i thought this filly she she raced close to, to a pace where the, the front runners didn't last, and she kind of shot through late and, and got the win. I think, I think she's got a nice future ahead of her. I, you know, I don't – like I said, nothing in here has impressed me. Like, I'm like you. The, nothing in here is, is a stick out. So, yeah, I'm going to try to – I'll kick off the first leg and pick four with a, with a spread ticket. Yeah, it's, a, it's interesting to me that the one horse, Oyster Box, is by Tappet. It just, that just sounds like – Almost, almost vulgar to me, but I mean, am I wrong about that? Wow. Okay. okay. All right. I see how this is going. Let's go on to race nine quickly. Uh, race nine is the Matt Win Stakes, hundred fifty thousand dollars. It's a three-year-old event, Grade Three, mile and sixteenth. Last year, this race was a prep for the Derby, and I believe Maxfield won it last year. But uh, 
no doubt who the favorite's going to be this time. It's going to be Obesos, number three, two to one on the morning line for Greg Foley. Last seen driving up the rail. I thought he might have a chance to actually win the race at the at the 316th pole. This is in the uh, Kentucky Derby. Everybody knows the horse. He's going to be bet hard in this spot. What do we do? You make a good point. He is going to be bet hard in this spot because everybody loves the horse. Everybody loves the Foley's. We've had uh, Travis Foley on the show a couple of times. We've had the owner, Brian Bernard, on the show. Uh, we're fans of the horse. And I think we talked a couple of weeks last week Last week that there was two horses. that appeared to be three-horse races. Everybody said there's a three-horse race. And I disagree. A two-horse race. I disagree with that. I think this race is a three-horse race. And I, I think it does come down to your three favorites, Helium, Obesos, and, and Folsom for Brad Cox and Judmont. I don't know which one to pick. Uh I can make strong cases for each of them. As you mentioned, I do believe Obesos is going to be favored. I think the name recognition and the love for the horse around the, around these parts is going to make the horse favored. That makes me want to maybe lean to Helium, who ran a really nice race in the Derby, better than people give him credit for, and ran one hell of a Tampa Bay Derby. It's a horse that got bashed endlessly for some damn reason. But his Tampa Bay, not his Tampa Bay Derby, it was a Sam Davis or Tampa Bay Derby. Yeah, Tampa Bay Derby. Tampa was Bay Derby. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic race. Horse ran about, probably an extra 16th of a mile than everybody else. So people just love to, you know, jump on these these bandwagons and stuff. Helium ran a nice race in the Derby. What, what the race boils down to is who comes out of the Derby better, Helium or Obesos, uh, you know. And is Folsom, is Folsom going to be a better horse because he skipped the Kentucky Derby? I don't know. I I'm hoping you can sway me to narrow this down because there's nothing I hate worse than a three-horse race where everybody's five to two and I have to make a decision. And usually it's the wrong one. So point me. Point me in that direction. Well, I think – don't we have to make Obesos win a race on two turns? Fair enough. Yeah. All right. I mean, don't, don't, where do you see his odds? Maybe six to five, seven to five? I think he's going to get slightly over bet because of the love for him. And the way he ran, he didn't run fifth in the Derby, and it was a hell of a fifth in a race where nobody made any ground up. Oh, Bezos did. So I think he's going to, because of that, I think he will probably be seven to five. Yeah, I, I, I like helium in here because. I do too. I yeah, do too. I mean, I, the Derby might prep him for this. You know, it was his first race in, what, it was seven or eight weeks. Uh, that Tampa Bay Derby was really impressive. He was with four wide, five wide the entire trip. He never got a break. So I think uh, I think he may be sitting on a uh, on a forward move here. Obesos, uh, you know, obviously he's obvious horse. He'll be coming late, uh, hopefully. And Folsom is a, is the type that's going to have to improve to be a part of this. So I mean, I I would lean toward Helium and Obesos. Folsom maybe maybe on down the road a little bit, maybe in the fall. We you know, uh, and if you take a closer look at this race, you know, the, the pace scenario would seem to benefit Helium a little bit more than it does Obesos. I mean, he, Helium helium can run either way. Obesos is a closer. I don't see a ton of speed in here. So uh, that right. said, uh, and that said, Obesos can overcome it. I think Obesos has a world of talent. There's a lot of there's a lot of big wins coming to Obesos way, but. I'm, I'm, I tend to want to lean to Helium, but just because I think Obesos is going to get slightly overbet. All right, two to go. Tenth race is the Aristides. I thought this race was graded, but apparently it's not. It's $150,000 stakes. It's been around a long time. 
six furlongs on the dirt, and the favorite is number 10, Tap at the Wind, who comes off a an 11th place finish in the Churchill Down Stakes. He was chasing the lead and inexplicably gave up late. What do we do here? I have a long shot. Who do you have? Uh, I do too, but tap. I think if you watch, look at the pace of this race, I think Tap at the Wind sits a really good trip. So I think he's going to be sitting third on the outside under Tyler Gaffleon, who loves that trip, outside of uh, Bango and Empire of Gold. Now, that said, I'm not a fan of Tappet to win. I always think this horse is a bit of a sucker bet, and he's kind of proven that once he leaves state-bred competition. I felt that way last time, and he ran terribly. That's not to say that he can't get it done today. He's going to sit a really nice trip. I'm going to use – there's two in here that come to mind mostly for me. One, I think the horse to beat is Empire Gold. I think Empire Gold is going to sit the perfect trip just outside. If Bangle sends, Empire Gold loves to sit that stalking trip. And it's coming off a really nice tune-up at Oakland here uh, after running third in the count fleet behind a couple of badasses named CZ Rocket and Widmore. Uh, and then comes back, drops in class, gets the perfect setup, wins going away easily in 109. He's going to get the same setup today. So I'm going to go to Empire Gold. I am going to give my long shot nod to the rail horse Haunt. Uh, Haunt has always been a horse I never really cared for. He's ran distance and, and, and such. This year, it seems like Reed McGay, he has figured out this horse wants to sprint, and he's been getting better as he sprinted. Uh, I think he's going to creep up to a price because the two-horse got him last time with a troubled trip, so people are going to see the troubled trip and automatically bet him over Haunt. But I could see Geraldo Corrales is a fantastic rider. I could see him saving ground, maybe trying to split these uh, tiring front runners late. I think he's going to be in that 12 to 14, 15 to 1 range. If he is, he's playable. Give me Empire Gold. Give me a nod, long shot nod to Gerardo Corrales in the number one haunt. Well, we're in the same boat, but we're using different oars this time. I like number two, Tough mm-hmm. Love. Uh, this is normally not the type of horse I would want to play in a race like this, but this, this is just a pure thoroughgraph play. Uh, first of all, he'll, he he gets Corey Landry, who we all know likes to skim the rail. Now, Corey's not having a good meet, but the Corey Landry we know will, will, will save, save every inch of ground. Uh, going back to this horse's four-year-old campaign, late in the year, he earned some figures that uh, would win stakes races. Yes. He loves Churchill. And, you know, he started the year off at Oakland slowly. He's... You know, he's progressed a little bit. That last race, he had some traffic trouble. He still got up to win. This is the type of horse I don't think, for me, I don't have to have him win the race. If he can just get on the board, I'll, I'll play it to where maybe maybe first and second in an exact or a try. And I think he's going to get overlooked here. I, I think he's going to be 12-1, to 15-1. Uh, so for that reason, I'm going to pick number two, Tough Love. On top, I'm like you though. I like number five, Empire of Gold. I think he may be the best horse in the race, and he's uh, he's he's coming off some nice efforts, like you said, down at Oakland. Uh, Bango's in good form. Number three, Bango. He's four for seven at Churchill. Can't fault you for going there. And you know, and like I said, Tap the Wind is fast on his day. I, I'm starting to wonder. We'll know more after this race, but he, he ran a huge figure in Tampa 
in that state red stakes race. I wonder if that maybe knocked him out. Happens every time with with Tap to Win. It, it happens every time he beats up on state bread company, one X company, goes on the stakes company, gets exposed every time. It happens. You can you can you can set your watch to it with Tap to Win. That said, he's going to do a good trip today. But three to one, you can have him. Well, this this is kind of an important race. If he can if he can find that form that won that stakes race down in Tampa, you know he might have a good summer because right. we know he's, we know he's got talent. It's just it's a matter of uh, putting it all together. He's going to get the trip he wants in here. If he's good enough, he's got a perfect setup. All right, last race important, the most important race on the card. If you're live in the pick five, pick six, pick four, whatever. <laughs> The Douglas Park overnight stakes. Not as prestigious as maybe some of the other races on the card, but it's a mile and 16th on the grass. And the favorite will be toward the outside, number eight, set piece for Judmont and Brad Cox. This guy really likes Churchill. He's two for three, lifetime. Uh, last seen Derby Week winning the opening verse stakes over Snapper Sinclair. What do we do with set piece? I really struggled with this race. Two uh, two things. Number one, where did the Douglas Park stakes come from? I, I actually I, I missed this. Where did where did this where where I have where did, no idea. I, I have no idea. This sounds like a, a race at a some Midwestern stakes that I'm unaware of. But uh, hey, it's a good race. There's a lot of our favorite horses in here. This I didn't struggle in this race. It's three horses for me. It's simple and it's probably the same three you're going to take. I know you're going to take Ramsey Solution. I know you're going to take Set Piece, and you know I'm going to throw Parlor in there. So <laughs> it's those three for me. Uh, uh, I mean, let's set piece. Uh, one bad race, I think, at Turfway. He's been fantastic throughout. Uh, Brad Cox uh, figured it out, figured set piece out. It, it always reminds me of side piece. Whenever I hear the name, I, I think side piece would have been her name, a more entertaining name. But it, once again, I digress. Um, so how about split the wickets and side piece now that I think about it? Uh, anyway, um, I, I, this horse's last race was fantastic. Uh, his races down at the fair at, at Turfway Park were fantastic. You, you've got to have set piece on your ticket. Uh, you can build some super fetches with him in the one and two spot. That said, you, I, I, there's no way I'm throwing out Ramsey's solution. Uh, this horse loves distance. When he opens up a clear lead, you better watch the hell out. And then, of course, Parlor is great stakes place. You know, I, the horse never seems to win. But one of the problems with Parlor last, I think he ran too damn much. He's coming off the layoff. He may fire fresh. So I'd be happy if I was alive to just those three horses and let the chips fall where they may. I know there's a couple other in here that, that can uh, factor. But give me uh, give me the trio of set piece, Ramsey, Solution, and Parlor, and I'll roll the dice, baby. You're feisty tonight. Did you hey, get a Huh? Did you Thank get a race? I've had a good week wagering. I'm getting, I'm, I'm, I'm getting, uh, I'm getting cocky before I know the bottom drops out on me. <laughs> All right, that's true. You, you need to hit what you can in this yeah. game. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. It's the same horses: Parlor, Ramsey Solution, and uh, Set Piece. Parlor, uh, you know, it's the same old thing. What, what kind of trip is he going to get? I mean, he's usually going to get a poor trip. Yeah, he is. Uh, damn sure. He broke my heart in the Maker's Mark Mile last July. When he had to leave, more will caught him late, but you know, I mean, he he tailed off after that. Uh, I like that they gave him a, a long break, uh, and and you know they still like the horse. I mean, Maker's not afraid to drop him in the claiming, you know. And, but they 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 decide to go to a stakes race here, so I think this horse 
fits the bill. Ramsey Solution, uh, I love that horse. He made me some money back at yeah. last year, so I can't. Uh, I, uh, he'll always be on my ticket. And then you know, set piece. That, that last start, he he ran fast, but I don't know if he beat much. Snapper Sinclair is is a better dirt horse unless he's at Kentucky Downs, uh, where he always seems to run well at the at, in that big giant. Five hundred thousand dollar stakes race they run every year, and yeah. you know, but uh, yeah, he'll come running. And you know, I, I think it's those three. Uh, it's interesting. I want to point out number five, Pioneer Spirit. Here's another eight year old for Theodoro. They reclaimed him. Uh oh. Five. Uh oh. But I went back through his past performances. He uh, is a turf winner. He ran one of his best races on turf. So you know, he he's got some form way back so you know just more money to be made on dirt i, I suppose so you're but, saying if, if you can afford it maybe throw him in there's a contrary play because you never know what the hell's going to happen yeah i mean if you got room i'm not going to have much room because i'm going to be heavy early on so uh, for me it's it's three deep and well, uh you know can i ask you real quick about logical myth is logical myth who's a, who had a hell of a winner over the fairgrounds is and we, again we love the foley's but is this horse over the top a little bit, or is it, or is he just a fairground type horse? He yeah. looks like he's starting to tail off a little bit. Four uh, one, is he a play against or? or I'm not. You know? I can't. I can't use him because I mean, just first of all, he never was fast enough to win this race. Uh, yeah. He just, you know, he uh, he probably got a lot of good trips at fairgrounds. He's he's a nice horse, but uh, I, I just don't think he's he's up. He'll have to move forward, and it looks like it's unlikely that he will to win this. And you, well, I've, I've got to mention the late pace figures for set piece when he's right. The last three trips on Polly, he's he's thrown a 107 late pace figure. That's insane. And what you notice with set piece, again, because I, I do use the, the Brisnet figs uh, quite a bit, and it's a little unique with him. His last three races on Polly, which has a tendency, you know, to favor closers lights at times, I should say that the synthetic at, at Turfway, late pace figures are 107 every time. Last two times on turf, it was the turn time that was the impressive uh, number. As he's had triple-digit uh, uh, second call, uh, 102 and 105. So you can look to see maybe there's something to that. The jocks have figured out that on turf he needs to make that move a little bit earlier and, and such. So be watching for set piece to make a big move on the turn. That's the way I kind of see that playing out. But I do think we're on the three there. I don't want to rain on the set piece parade, but just from a third graph perspective, he ran his top his career top in his first start at Churchill last summer. And that race really must have knocked him out because he was, he was terrible at Saratoga. He came mm -hmm. back again at Churchill and I think he was uh, up the track a little bit, but then he finally, he finally got back, back to where he was supposed to be at Turfway. Uh, but that last effort at Churchill on Derby week, that, that was his top that matched his career top. So this is an important race. Is he going to bounce off of that big time? Or did that knock him out again? Or, or, or are we going to see a new set piece? It's going to. Right. Yeah. He figures. Yeah. I agree. I, I see what you're saying there. He's so, up good ones. Yeah. It, it, it's going to be a fun day for sure. Yeah. I, we'll be there. Very much looking forward to it. So uh, look at that. We almost, yeah, we're, we're almost at an hour. So. All right. Yeah, we did well, good today. All right, so let's wrap it up. Uh, anything else you want to add? 
No, I think Belmont Week is next week, correct? We're going to have a few special guests on and stuff to kind of highlight that because uh, I think I'll be working on Belmont Saturday, so we're going to need somebody to pick up the pace or or you know, might be a better thing if I'm not there. So, If I were you, I'd just quit my job. No <laughs> way I'd work on Belmont Stakes Day. Uh, I, I work in the auto industry. Uh, like the supply chain has affected a lot of things throughout the country, and the auto industry is definitely one of them. So I'm putting in the hours, but, you know, you know we'll see. I'll, I'll get around to watching the Belmont. Don't worry. All right. Well, let's uh, wrap it up here. Uh, on behalf of Alan Schneider and Brandon Jaggers, who's still serving his uh, probation from his weekend with uh, Mr. Jack Harlow, <laughs> this is CC Broadus reminding you that gambling money ain't got no home.